difficult for me to adjust me being so sophisticated and you being so country. No, it's always a pleasure and a joy indeed to come here and be with you. I'm flattered, and I mean this in the fullest sense. A number of you have said the preacher can't wait till next year. Well, at my age, I can't wait till in the morning. <laughs> Amen. But I am so thrilled that God has given me this one more opportunity to be here with you. I have said this repeatedly. I thank God for what the Lord has done. See, I can see where God's brought you from, and you must. And I thank him for his blessings upon you. It is just fabulous. Got beautiful facilities, and folks, there's nothing to hold you back. Just full steam ahead. Thank God for that. Open your Bibles tonight to the book of Malachi. No, I'm not going to preach on tithing. You usually hear a groan when you say Malachi, especially if you say chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And we want to read just one verse, kind of just lift it out for a text verse for... The service, and I, I don't know. I'm honest. I cannot speak for you. But I was, seemed like especially in my own heart, was blessed last night when I was preaching on the will of God. You know, it's, it's so needful, and I'm not going to preach it again. It's so needful for you to find the will of God for your life. You ought to find God's will for your life. And find the job God wants you in. The spot God can use you. Uh, this may be a double-barrel message, but I've just got to tell this right here. I, I'm not going to rehash the message. But I remember going to a church to pastor, and uh, I've told the story. You'll remember it. A lady, by the, her name was Cooley, Mrs. Cooley. She was obviously very poor financially, very poor. And she came up to me and said, Pastor Blue, now that you're the pastor, you're not going to take my job here at the church away from me, are you? Well, I said, Miss Cooley, I'm not going to take anybody's job. I, she said, I said, what is your job? Now listen carefully. She said, I don't have any money, Preacher Blue. I just don't have very, very little money. And uh, she said, I, I don't, I'm too old to make any money. But she said, every Monday, I come down here to the church, and I lay down on my back and scoot under every pew. And if somebody stuck some chewing gum under there, I take a putty knife, and a little bitty jar, fruit jar, and I scraped that chewing gum off of the seat and put it in that jar. So you're not going to take my job away from me, are you? Oh, no. I'm not going to take your job away from you. 
See, for her, she had found the will of God. Old, couldn't do anything, no money. But she could do that little job. And I wouldn't be at all surprised when the rewards are handed out. If God don't say to one great big angel, go back there and get that fruit jar of double bubble. And Miss Cooley, come up here. And you see that great big mansion there on the hill? That was paid for with that quarter double bubble. Oh, folks, find God's will for your life. Find that job, that niche that God wants you in. And you'll not be happy till you do. Do I hear you, man, right there, brother? <laughs> you'll not be happy till you find God's blessed, as Sammy Allen said, perfect will. For your life. You find that full steam ahead. Amen. All right. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Verse 6. Let's stand in respect and reverence of the Word of God. For I'm the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Now, I want to read it again. I want to read it again. For I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Our Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for it. Oh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the believers. I pray, God, tonight you'll take this simple man, this old country preacher. Lord, let me tonight preach a message that little boys and girls and men and women can understand and fathom. We'll thank you for it for Christ's sake. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I got to go hear Brother Ron preach while he was in Rossville, Fort Oglethorpe, the other day. I love your preacher. He's a real preacher. Real preacher. Thank God for him. My kind of preacher, and I love him. I change not. Say that with me. I change not. I'm God. I'm the Lord. There won't be a new model coming out next year. There won't be anything different. I'm just going to stay the same in every way, in every aspect. There'll be no new avenues. Don't look for it. It won't be there. I am the Lord. I ain't going to change. It's amazing to me a new model car can come out and suddenly that old car that's been faithful, still doing pretty good, it don't look as good as that new model. We just got to have that new model. And we'll leave that sticker in the window that turns yellow so everybody can see it's new. But God said, I'm not like that. I don't change. But we're living in a changing world. Everything around us seems like it's changing. I want to say, first of all, I haven't changed my mind about this Bible. Now, I said this on Sunday, and I'm going to say it again. I believe this is the Word of God. Now, I'll slow down, let you, the amens kind of die down off in a taper. 
This is the King James Version. I believe this is the Word of God. This is it. This is the inerrant, not an error in it. This is the infallible God breathing, I'm about to shout. Word of God. This, the Bible said the men of old spoke as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. I believe it's inspired. Every word in there, there's not a mistake one. The Bible said thy word is very pure. That means there's no mixture. There's no linking up with these. I'm going to say to you folks, you listen to me. You listen well and you like it or dislike it, it's just going to be the truth. These new versions that have taken the liberty of deleting, taking out, abstracting from the Word of God, I got news for you. You better not fall for that junk. Somebody can tell you where you can understand it. You may understand what you got, but you haven't got it all. This is God breathed. This is the book that changed my life. This is the book that brought me to my knees. This is the book that showed me I was a sinner. This was the book, hallelujah, that told me about the blood. This was the book, bless your heart, that told me that about repentance. This is the book that told me about faith. This is the book that told me if I'd come to God in faith believing and ask him to save me, he'd do it. I haven't changed my mind about it. I haven't changed my mind about it. I say I haven't changed my mind about it. I was up in a little town called Harriman, Harriman, Tennessee, in revival. Uh, less than a year ago, less than a year ago, I was in the Holiday Inn, standing in the door one beautiful afternoon, just standing there, beautiful mountains laying back there. Oh, they're gorgeous. All of a sudden, a car drove up. And uh, it was a service car from a garage. It was bringing a family that their car had broke down. It was going to take a couple of three days to get it repaired. And they were bringing them there. And their room was next door to me. It was a man, his wife, and three children. Well, I began to talk to them as kindly as I could and witness to them. And come to find out they were... Well, they just didn't like to talk about God much. They just didn't. Oh, but listen to me. I'm kind of sneaky when I find somebody like that. I just love them to death. And I just good to them and love them. And oh, he come big old, big old boy. He said, I don't like for nobody to cram religion down me. I said, me either. <laughs> That's kind of sneaky, but I sneaky. I don't like for that. I said, me. He said, there, there are a bunch of preachers I don't like. I said, me. All the time they stayed there, I'd take them to lunch. And whenever they wanted to go to Walmart, I'd take them to Walmart. And buy the kids the little bitty thing. Sneaky. <laughs> Woo! I like it. 
And you know, he come running in my room one day and said, prove to me there's a God. I said, do I have to do it right now? <laughs> yeah, prove to me. I just opened the door back and I said, Dave, look at that great, big, beautiful mountain there. Who made it? Who made it? He got up and left. He didn't even give it time to prove it. Amen. <laughs> well, let me cut the show. Oh, I'd take them out and I'd buy their lunch and I'd sweet to them. The Bible said, be you kind. Is that right? One to another. Well, they got their car fixed and I, I, I gave them my calling card and they got home in Michigan and they wrote me the sweetest letter. <laughs> they done fall in love with me. Just loved me to death. Of course, sweet as I was, I fell in love with me. Amen. They thanked me for hauling them around, taking care of them, the little old kids, scribbling a note and everything. I'm going to tell you, friend, this book will work. You don't have to know it all and quote it all, but every once in a while, while I had them around me, I just stick a verse in them. I just hit them with a verse and, and sow in some seed and put this book on them. Amen. Then I'd back off a little bit, cram a little bit more down them. Amen. Well, Christmas came and they sent Miss Blue and I a card and we wrote them a letter back and thanked them for it and sent them one of our lovely, beautiful pictures of her and I. The next Christmas, they sent us a card. And get this. They put their phone number on it. Well, now, if they hadn't wanted us to call them, why'd they put the phone number on there? That was pretty obvious, wasn't it? So... One day I called them, and a lady answered the phone. And I'm going to tell you right now, this book don't change. It'll still bring forth fruit. It'll still work. When everything else fails, these new modern verse lay this old book on them with kindness and love and compassion. It'll work. I called, and I said, is Dave there? The lady said she was crying, just weeping. Oh, just weeping. She said, who is this? I said, this is Brother Ed Blue. She said, oh, they've got your picture on the refrigerator. said, they just loved you to death. And I, I noticed she was using a, a past tense, and they just loved you to death. And I said, ma'am, I beg your pardon. What do you mean they loved me? She said, haven't you heard? And I said, no, ma'am. What do you mean? And there had been an explosion where Dave's wife worked. And she was just blown to pieces. Killed instantly. And now get this. Out of the whole family, she's the only one that told me she'd been saved. Get that. I haven't changed my mind about the wisdom and the might and the power and the sovereignty of God. He's God and besides him there's none other. He don't make any mistakes. He does right. 
And I said, ma'am, what has she told me about him? Oh, she said, Dave, we want to talk to you. There's that big old man said, tumors are to God. Old Dave come to the phone just bawling. He said, oh, preacher, my wife's gone. My children's mama's gone. Now it was time for me to put that salve and that love and kindness. And oh, in, on the telephone, Rick, I just gathered him up in my arms and cried and bawled and weep with him right there on the phone. <laughs> and I had prayer with him and he said, thank you, preacher, thank you, preacher. And I said, and I called the kids and I said, let me talk to them. And I had prayer with every one of them. I haven't changed my mind about this book. It'll still work. A few weeks ago, the phone rang one night. It was old Dave. That old agnostic, that old doubter, that old rough. Oh, God, he's mean as a devil. And he's a weeping and a sobbing. And he said, preacher, if you could tell me, could I get saved on the phone? <laughs> and I said yes and I led him to Jesus on the telephone he calls me once to and I just say hello and Dave will talk for an hour and he said preacher I've just got to talk about Jesus all the time I just go down the street saying do you know Jesus he said people see me coming they run from me and I run after them Somebody said, what brought it about? This blessed book in its right doses, given with love and compassion and concern and kindness. Amen. I haven't changed my mind about it. It brought me to Jesus. Now, when Dave's up there in an area where there's no churches, no good churches. He hadn't found them yet. Of course, I don't know whether he knows how to look or not. And this spring, when it gets a little bit better and I can find a week, I'm going to fly up and spend a week with him and help him if I can. Ah, oh, folks, just give him some of this and teach him and try to train him for about a week and help him. Amen? Ladies and gentlemen, this book will work. Some of you are sitting here right now would be on your way to hell if some old-fashioned, old faithful preacher hadn't have took this word and preached it like it was to men like you are and told you about heaven and told you about hell and told you about the blood. Amen? Brought you to Jesus. And I want to tell you something. Some of you modern dudes. Dudes. I want to tell you something right now. You can laugh at this book and scorn it and say it's out of date and the language is all wrong if you want to. But I'll tell you right now, it's the only book right now I know the devil hates with all he's got. Amen. He hates it. Moody took it and shook the country. Spurgeon and all those old preachers walked in their pulpits with this old King James Version and let go with her, amen? And shook men and shook the country and shook the world and it'll still work today, amen? Haven't changed my mind about the word.
then there's something else I haven't changed my mind about. I haven't changed my mind about old-fashioned preaching. I'm talking about old-fashioned men that God has called and laid his hand on and anointed to preach the gospel. There's not a whole lot of them around. I believe when men stand up without anointing of God on them, that liberation, that unctionizing, that, that deliverance, I believe God bless your heart. It'll shake the hardest sinner. Amen? How many of you right here right now remember that time somebody on the radio or the pulpit or wherever it was at faithfully proclaimed and faithfully plowed the Word of God and suddenly the spotlight of the Word and the power of that preaching settled in your old black sin-covered soul and makes you realize you were a sinner and brought you to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Yes, sir. I never will forget that day. Oh, preacher Kearney. Let's just see how far this goes back. I was saved August the 27th, 1935. How's you and your arithmetic? August the 27th. 1935. Gasoline was 10 cents a gallon. <laughs> Buy a loaf of bread for a nickel. I was called to preach November the 23rd, 1943. Preached the first revival the second Sunday in August, 1946. I preached in the church where God saved me 16 years and 13 days after God saved me. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Old Brother Kearney, that old country mountain man that never had any formal education, and I'm not knocking it. I wish I had more of it. That old man that day stood with the power of God on him Suddenly I saw my sin-benighted soul and I found my way under an old-fashioned altar and cried out to God for mercy. And He touched me. Oh, He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I he touched me and made me whole. And it's real. It's real. Oh, I know it's real. Praise God, all the doubts are settled. And I know, I know it's real. <laughs> mm. What done it, preacher? Not slick tongue 
preaching with no power on it, but an old man that stood up and preached with the power of God on it. God help a preacher today that has no power. We see too many right now that are cultured and refined, but no power. Couldn't stand it. I want, when I get up, I want that anointing. Yeah. I want that. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. I got up here and talked a little bit, and suddenly I felt that moving of God begin to come in. Yeah. Mm. I like it when he takes over. I like it when he said, Ed, I'll take it from here. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I'm so great speakers, great orators, great pulpiteers, but oh God, I like to see that man of God walk in the pulpit and suddenly God take over. Mm. I haven't changed my mind about old fashioned preaching. But the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God under salvation to everyone that believeth. I like that power, that dynamite. Haven't changed my mind about the Bible. Haven't changed my mind about preaching. Then haven't changed my mind about the power of prayer. Huh? Now look, you look up here. This is not said with sarcasm. This is said with realism. You are not looking at a fan of Mr. Hen or Mr. Copeland or any of that crowd, but you are looking at a man that definitely believes that God can and does heal. When doctors have given up, when doctors have said there's no use I have saw in some cases God surprise medical science. There's some of you sitting here right now, right this very minute. Somewhere in your very life, God touched you and brought you probably from a deathbed. Yes, sir. I'm going to say this. If there's any healing done, it's God that did it. It's God. I believe in the power of God, not only to save, but I believe God's able to heal. I want to see the hand, and I'm not. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I want to see the hand that somewhere, some time, or some place, 
God, you know it was God that touched you and healed you and brought you up. Hallelujah. Amen. I told you about the other night when my back was broken. I surrendered to preach the gospel. My back was not broken accidentally. God slapped me down to show who's running the thing. Yes, sir. That's what happened. It's healed now. There's been x-rays taken. There's not even a little white line where my back is. Not even a line. It's healed. But every once in a while, every now and then, God will tell me something and you know, I'm like everybody else. I'll get just a little tad stubborn and, you know, won't say, well, God. And right back there where my back was broke, there'll be a pain hit me. And I said, hey, man, God, I'm ready. <laughs> Amen. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. God, just where do you want me at? Do any of you old boys remember in the days of rough and ruddy, just old fighting and having a... You remember when somebody, old boy, would put your nose down to the ground and hold it there and said, when you say calf rope, I'll let you go? Huh? How many of you men remember that, eh? Come on, you old rascals. God has a way of holding your nose to the ground till you run up the flag and said, I surrender. The power of prayer. The wonderful power of prayer. I saw my mama. My daddy was in awful condition. We were so poor that the poor folks called us poor. We lived in a shack by the side of the road. My daddy suddenly fell ill with some mysterious ailment. And for days, for days, we'd take him, he was... He couldn't even turn. We'd take him and, and turn the sheet to turn him over. Couldn't even speak. We'd take water, squeeze in his mouth. The doctors would call out, and there wasn't no hospital. We didn't have the money to take him nowhere. The doctors were called out, and they examined him, and called Mama and I out in the yard and said, Mrs. Ballou, Unless there's a definite change by in the morning, your husband will be dead. There's nothing we can do. And they patted me on the head and said, Son, be brave. My daddy was a dying. We live kind of down in the valley. Do any of you know what broom sage is? Just old, huh? You can tell Dog Finley, man. And I remember they got in their great big car and drove off. And my daddy was laying in there on the bed and man was squeezing water in his mouth. Hadn't took a bite to eat. Hadn't, hadn't spoke a word in days. The mountain was up here and the moon was coming up and the broom sage was there. And mama said, son... You go back in the house, Mama's going up here to have a word of prayer. <laughs> mm. And I see her going through that broom sage field with her hand raised up like this. 
And suddenly she dropped down out of sight in that broom sage. And off of the walls of that mountain, I heard my mama bouncing prayers and calling on God and beseeching the almighty sovereign, the holy divine God. God, I need my husband. I need my husband to help me with my boy. Oh, God, touch my husband. I walked back in the room. I listened as my mama come up off her knees up there in that broom sage patch. God would give her the victory. She said, She shouted all over that broom sage. <laughs> I walked back in the room where my daddy was laying there, a sick and dying man. I stood at that end of that old iron bedstead and looked down at my dying daddy. And suddenly a man that hadn't spoken days and hadn't took a bite of food and didn't know, wasn't able to drink water, suddenly he said, boy, is that your mama shouting? <laughs> Amen. And the next morning he is eating some scrambled eggs. Don't you sit there and be skeptical and a doubter and a disbeliever. My friend, we're serving the all-powerful, the almighty, the sovereign, the great I am. Amen. He said, I'm he that was dead, but I'm alive. That's who we're serving. I haven't changed my mind about him. He's still God. He said, I don't change. I never have changed. I haven't changed my mind about the power of prayer. In Acts chapter 16, verses 30 and verse 31, Paul and Silas were in jail. I don't know. I don't know whether it was Paul or Silas, but one of them said, how about let's sing in a verse of amazing grace? Oh, I know, I know. He said, well, there wasn't no amazing grace back then. Ain't never been a time there wasn't amazing grace. Always been amazing. I say, I say, I say, I say, I say, always been amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And at midnight they prayed and sang. Get that. At midnight they prayed and sang. And suddenly, you know some, you, you fellas remember, you folks remember that fellow named Presley? You know, blue suede shoes and hound dog. He wrote a song, said, Jailhouse Rough. He got here about 2,000 years before. Why, in Acts 16, they'd already had a rocking jailhouse. Amen. Why, that copycat, amen. All of a sudden, the walls of that place begin to shake. Their bands fell off. And the old jailer was about to take his life. And little, little bitty, old, ugly, squinchy-eyed, 110-pound Paul said, do, 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 do yourself no harm, buddy. We're all here. Be cool, man. 
Be cool. Ain't nobody running off. I'm talking about the power of prayer. He had heard them. The Bible said the prisoners heard them. They heard them. Who's heard you praying lately? I'm going to go ahead. Who's been listening to you pray? All of a sudden, that old rough jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Suddenly, there's right in the middle of revival. Now, the Bible don't say it, but I don't believe that old boy's the only one got saved. I got a sneaking idea that a bunch more. I believe there's enough got saved to take up an offering. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Drunk as a skunk, amen. Now I'm going to say something that'll shock some of you. You're not accustomed to it in your own actions. You have become so cultured and refined and why some of you went through the fifth grade, didn't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> Look like Jed Clampett. Oh, yes. Oh, God. You know how to open a can. You know how to run a can opener, don't you? You're really technical. Oh, man. Under both arms. Oh, you're really a cool dude. Amen. But your grandpas and your grandmas were raised in old-time churches with old simple preachers that preached the power of God and the power fell and the old saints lifted their hands and rejoiced in the power of God. Amen? And some of you, you can't even get a froze-to-death amen out of you. Some of you, you're, you're afraid to say, God, I thank you for all you've done. Your grandpas and grandmas, you know what they'd say about your worship service? Dead as a doornail. I haven't changed my mind about the praise of the saints. My mama used to make up bread with her hands. Then we go cathead biscuits. Hmm? She'd be singing. How firm a foundation. You sang, saw the Lord, and all of a sudden she'd get happy. There's a good dozen biscuits on the ceiling. A few pinto beans, a little turnip salad, a few mustard greens, and a little poke salad. Amen. She shouted at home. She shouted at church. She shouted in the yard. Amen. When she thought of the goodness and the mercy of God, she rejoiced. Haven't changed my mind about it. I like it. I like it. Haven't changed my mind about it. Now then, I'm coming to the close of the message. I, I'm going to have to confess I'm going to have to confess there's something I've changed my mind about. I really have. I was raised, and this is not being smart, Alec. I was raised and brought up in a post-millennial environment. Till one day, that book I was talking to you about, Dr. DeHaan from the second coming of Jesus. 
I picked up that blessed old boy, a man's book on the second coming of Jesus, and suddenly I changed my mind about something. Before you know it, I was a premillennialist. Amen. Oh, yes. I'm looking for the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13 said, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing. One day before long, he'll split the skies. And I personally believe myself, and I can't help it if you're wrong. I believe we'll hear him say to the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, that band of baptized believers, I believe we'll hear him say, come up higher! And we'll get out of here, amen? <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. No, I'm not a post-millennialist or a millennialist. I'm a pre-millennialist. Yes, sir. Dear ladies and gentlemen, tonight, as I conclude the message, come on to the instrument, please. You that are lost or you that are backslid, you that are cold and different, you that are away from God, you that are out back out there entangled again, don't you think it's time you came home? Don't you think it's time you get saved? Don't you think it's time you lay down the load you're carrying and run to Jesus? Run as fast as you can. Get out on your knees and cry out to God for blessed mercy. Not justice, but mercy. Softly, my darling, please. Mercy, Lord. Mercy. Oh, he said, I'm the Lord. I change not. I haven't changed my mind about some things about him. What about you? What about your life? What about you today, tonight? Are you right with God? Do you, are, is everything all right? Are you right with God? I want every head bowed and every eye closed and every Christian to pray. Every head bowed, don't nobody look around. I don't want anyone looking, nobody. I wonder if there's somebody that said, Preacher, Preacher Blue, I need your prayers. I need some prayers. I just need to, I need God on me. I just, I want God on me. I need some prayers. Not right. I just need some prayers. Pray for me, Preacher. Now, you and God know what about, don't you? You and God know what about. Our pastor, Brother Kelvin Williams, I like the way he makes the altar call. I like it. Nobody else may not, but I like it. All conclusive. He said, whatever the need is, whatever it is, lost, backslid, cold, indifferent, it don't make no difference. He said, the altar is open tonight. I wonder if there's a hand that'll go up and said, Preacher Blue, pray for me. Pray for me. I need prayer. Would you raise your hand? Yes. Yes, I see it. Yes, I see it. Yes, I see it. Our Father, tonight I pray that Whoever needs to come, whatever reason they need to come for, whatever it may be, lost, saved, back, don't make no difference. God help them to come tonight. A little talk with Jesus will mean an awful lot tonight. For I pray in Christ's name, amen and amen. Let's stand together, please. If you're here tonight, there's a need in your life. You need to come for whatever reason. I pray you'll come right now.